Sheila Zielinski Show, the only show to give you the truth behind the headlines, prophecy, and the deeper things of God. Now, here is your host, Sheila Zielinski. Hello, everyone, and welcome to the Sheila Zielinski Show for this March 3rd, 2017 edition. It is Friday, and make sure you are signed up for my free e-newsletter because I'm going to be sending one out over the weekend. So, do sign up for it. It's free. You just go to my website and you'll see just on the right hand side there, it says sign up for Sheila's free e-newsletter. It looks like the apps are coming back online. My customized apps for iPhone, Android, it looks like they're coming back online. A lot of, They're working for a lot of people. They're just not working on my phone. <laughs> oh man, don't get me started on technical devices. The archives have been loaded. My web team has uploaded my archives. So it looks like some things are getting back to normal. The podcast is working. I upgraded my Broadcaster Pro Plus on Podomatic. So I'm good for a year. I shouldn't have any issues. Oh, boy. I'll tell you what. There's never a dull moment. And hey, listen, as you guys know, I am 100% listener funded. And I do depend on your financial support each month. You guys know I love you, and you guys know that I try to bring you a top-quality show, and it is me, myself, and I. And I'll tell you what, I am very appreciative of the people that do make those one-time donations. But you know what, guys? One-time donations are very hard to make a budget on. And just when I think I know where I'm at sometimes, somebody will cancel their PayPal payments or whatever, and I just find it very hard to budget on that. It's very difficult to do that. And a lot of people have their opinions on sponsorships and advertising. I'm a one hour show format and I refuse to have 15 minutes of commercials. It is ministry. It's a ministry based show. And so you don't see a minister stopping halfway through a show and going, and by the way, this message is brought to you by Harley Davidson. Although that would be a great sponsor, American made. Yay, Trump. He did a great job, didn't he? That speech where he, of course, honored veterans. I was disgusted with those Democrats that sat there with their little chicken arms crossed and just sitting there with their smug looks. And I think Diane Not-So-Feinstein was manifesting in the corner. I was so happy when Trump said he's really going to be stepping up for the veterans that have given us so much. I have a long line of veterans, and my grandfather took a bullet when they stormed the beaches in Normandy, he was head of the tank division, shot on the beaches of Normandy. Boy, that was something else, wasn't it? When the Western Allied forces in Normandy during World War II, they, when they stormed those beaches, remember D-Day on the northern coast of France? Think about that, June 6, 1944, when they turned things around. And I'll tell you, I just really love our veterans, and it just breaks my heart that they are really the unsung heroes, aren't they? They're just so tossed away in society now, and it's just absolutely, well, it boils my blood and it breaks my heart. So I was just really thrilled to hear Donald Trump talk about that. Do you know that I'm very surprised at the amount of Christians that they don't want to talk about Trump it's like, oh, Sheila, God's picked him. Are you kidding me? This Illuminati kingpin, this huckster, this idiot. I mean, I am just, you know, oh, it 
is mind-numbing someday, the stupidity, isn't it, folks? I can't imagine any Christian that would want Hitler at the helm, but that's a whole other show. And speaking of shows, I have wanted to have this man on my show ever since I came across his name in a book I was reading years ago. I have a lot of Win Worley's pamphlets, and I came across his name, and I thought, who is this? And ironically, I was in Carla Butod's car years ago, and she popped in a CD, and this woman was talking about, this nurse was talking about not getting vaccinated. And I'll tell you, when I heard her speak, I thought, Sharon, you had me at vaccines are straight out of the pit of hell. So I am so thrilled to have Sharon Mulkey back on my program with her husband, Monty Mulkey. It is such a thrill for me today to have these two incredible ministers on from West Coast Church of Deliverance. They've been in the deliverance ministry a long time, and they are just dear to my heart, and it's such a pleasure to have them both on. Monty and Sharon Mulkey, welcome to the program. It is such a pleasure to have you on. Thank you so much, Sheila. It's an honor to be here as well for me, and uh, I've been looking forward to it. Me too. And you know, Monty, again, like I said, a lot of people don't know they're not as familiar with your ministry, but talk about West Coast Church of Deliverance. Talk about your ministry because I nicknamed Monty the Chuck Norris of Deliverance. He really <laughs> is the granddaddy. He he is one of the major generals in the Army of God when it comes to this, and I'm so honored, really, really I am, Monty. So welcome, and, and tell us about your ministry. Thank you, Sheila, for that introduction. Um well, when it comes to deliverance, we say you you get voluntarily drafted into it, <laughs> and uh, <laughs> that's what happened with us when Sharon and I were kids at the age of 21. We read a couple of books and having uh, problems in our life at that age, and so we sought out deliverance ministry and, and ended up moving to Hegwish Baptist Church in Highland, Indiana, where Pastor Wynn Worley was. And so that was back in, oh, 1980s when we did the move, but we actually got started in 76. So we started out in deliverance from the ground floor, not knowing a whole lot about it. So we spent a good six to eight years there getting personal deliverance and learning much about it. And Wynn was my pastor and my mentor. And then, uh, let's see, it was in 1986, I believe, that we moved to California under the Lord's direction, and we were going to help a church get started that uh, Hegwish had ordained the pastor as well. And when we got there, he basically quit, and so by default, people started calling us up for help, <laughs> and that was the beginning of the West Coast Church of Deliverance. December 1989 is when we started, and wow. of course there was a few long-distance members from California, and we began to meet in our house, and it just kind of grew and evolved, and we finally moved it to a Sunday morning service instead of meeting every night of the week for whoever wanted prayer. That's when uh, Hegwish ordained me, and we went forward and just kept growing. For a number of years, we actually met in our house, and we outgrew that. City zoning and planning didn't allow for deliverance ministries on the block. So, <laughs> yeah. so we moved to a motel, and from there we moved into a rental place for church, and we've been doing that since 
back to 1989. So got lots of experience. And sometimes I explain it's like I was privileged or blessed of the Lord to get in under the first generation of deliverance pastors. And by that, I mean the group of pastors that God began to reintroduce deliverance to back in the 60s and 70s which Wynn Worley was one of them, and Frank Hammond, and Derek Prince, and there was a number of them. And so I was young enough to get to be mentored by all of these guys. And in fact, I knew all of them personally, and and for a number of years while they were still here on earth, they actually referred and sent people to us in California. Uh, But now I think almost all of them have passed on, gone on home to be with the Lord, and I'm trying to do the same thing they did, raise up more men and women of God that can pick up the call of deliverance and stay with it for the long haul. Yeah, that's important, the long haul. Oh, Derek Prince, Hammond, and Worley, talk about your terrifying triad to the hosts of hell. And, you know, that's the thing is you had the the granddaddies of deliverance. They were so powerful and so anointed. And nowadays, you know, practically any clown comes out claiming to be a deliverance minister. And that's where we got to be careful because there's a lot of, you really got to be called to this. I'll tell you, no one would voluntarily do this. And I think <laughs> yeah, that's, that's I always tell people, you know, if you're going to fly an airplane, find somebody that's actually doing it, <laughs> yeah. not someone who just read a book about it <laughs> because they can't teach you those things. And you know, start off by asking them what they got deliverance from. And most of them have a very short list of their personal deliverance or they didn't need it, but they felt the urge to help all these other poor people. And I say, run, run, yeah, run if they don't have any experience, because it, it just really hurts the body of Christ when the charlatans get involved, I guess. <laughs> yeah, boy, oh boy, there's a lot of those. Well, listen, Monty and Sharon, I'm going to hand you the mic to do this incredible teaching today, of course, on binding and loosing and then we're going to get into some other stuff. I'm just going to hand you the mic, and when you're ready to throw it back, take it away. Okay, sure. We'll do that. We like to help people, especially teaching things that are introductory, that often they get confused advice on and so forth. So we thought with today that we'd go with that. And uh, the format we chose, actually, I'm going to have Sharon ask me different questions and put me under the gun, so to say, here, and go with it from that. So, Sharon? Yeah. Well, like Monty said, there's just a lot of people think that they know what they're talking about, and it's really confusing the body of Christ. And we would like to start today with our authority to bind and loose, and just exactly what does that mean and what doesn't that mean. Also, Mm -hmm. we'd like to talk about understanding curses if we get that far what breaking curses does and what breaking curses doesn't do. So, uh, Monty, can you first start out with our authority to bind and loose, and why do we have that authority to do that? Right. Well, Jesus gave us that authority. I mean, us as Christians, those that have received Jesus as Lord. Uh, Matthew sixteen nineteen is a great place to start. And he said, I will give unto thee the keys of the kingdom of heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven. Whatsoever thou shalt loosen or shall be loosed in heaven. Now, he gave us this authority because we would need it. It's unfortunate, but most Christians have no idea that they're involved in a spiritual war that is going on, and they don't know their weapons of warfare. And binding and loosing is one of the major weapons of warfare. And again, it's to be used in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, power of his shed blood. 
really a great verse, one of our favorites. And let me back up where it says, I will give unto thee the keys to the kingdom of heaven. Now, if you do a study on the kingdom of heaven, run all the verses on that, you'll find that salvation is the entrance into the kingdom of heaven. And once you go through the door into the kingdom of heaven, that is get saved, then you can partake of the things that are inside of the kingdom of heaven, which is deliverance, healing, and so forth. A lot of people like to put deliverance outside the kingdom of heaven and say, well, it's for the lost people. And I tell them, no, deliverance is for the children. It is the children's bread. And Jesus says that I will give you the keys to the kingdom of heaven. I like to use a lot of word pictures, and I tell people that if I was to come by your yard and see that you were having car problem, I said, you know what, I really like you as a person. How about if I give you a new car? And I pull up and park this brand new Mercedes or Corvette or whatever favorite car you want. The next thing you'd say, oh, that's so great, Pastor Mike. I just love that beautiful car. I love shiny red. But you couldn't do anything with it without the keys. And you'd stretch your hand out to me, would wave your fingers at me and say, keys, please. Well, the keys to the kingdom of heaven are found in binding and loosing. This is how important it is. Most Christians understand that they have a a car or airplane, but they just leave it in the driveway or on the runway, and they never use it. It's designed to be used, but you can't use it without the keys. And the keys are whatever you bind shall be bound, and whatever you loose shall be loose. So spiritual warfare really begins with binding and loosing. I mean, apart from being inside the kingdom of heaven and having Jesus Christ as Lord. Because if you don't have that, you don't have the authority to use his name. You can see that in the book of Acts where they, the uh, Jewish exorcists tried to do deliverance, but they weren't Christians yet. And so the demons just leaped on them. So binding and loosing, and it's whatever you bound. So as Christians, it's similar to if I gave you authority to write checks on my checking account. I gave you a stack of blank checks, and if you sign it and you're on the count, the bank honors that. And they don't have to call me up every single time to see, Pastor Monty, is it okay? I see you added Sheila to your bank account. Can she write checks? Of course, because I already added you on there. And so it's the same with binding and loosing. Whatever you bind, it says, is bound in heaven, meaning your name's on the check count. You have authority to do this. You don't have to beg Jesus, oh, Jesus, please, will you bind this for me? He gave you the authority and me the authority to bind and as well to loose. So whenever you bind any evil spirit, it's automatically done in heaven. goes right up to the first bank account of heaven, check its process, and it's done. The demon is bound. Well, Monty, one thing I want to interject here mm-hmm. is some people will say, well, why do we have to bind? What do we bind? What do we lose? I think they've missed the whole teaching in their churches that we are in a spiritual war. Right. Uh, some are even taught there's there's no devil. And so maybe you could uh, go a couple steps back and help people realize that when they truly, genuinely ask Jesus Christ to come into their heart and to have their sins forgiven, they're translated out of the kingdom of darkness into the kingdom of light, but it's a place of warfare. Maybe mm-hmm. expound on that a little bit, Maudie. Because well, people go binding and loosing, well, you know. What for? Yeah, yeah right. Right. Yeah. It's like, why have a gun if you're never going to shoot it? Well, again, Jesus gave this to us because he knew we would need it. It's just that so many Christians don't recognize that they have need of deliverance. 
because they've been taught that all of their problems are the flesh and the devil won't bother them. If they leave the devil alone, then he'll leave you alone. Well, that's not true. And <laughs> that's not true. <laughs> let's, let me back up this way, put it this way. If you've prayed, fasted, repented, crucified the flesh, if you've done all of these things with the problem that you've got and it hasn't gone anywhere, then it's probably the work of an evil spirit. And a good definition of an evil spirit is that they drive, they harass, they torment, they produce compulsive behaviors and attitudes. And the good thing about binding and loosing is that you can experiment with it and try it and you'll be amazed. Probably the number one comment that we get with visitors in our church when they come back the second time and we've taught them how to bind and loose is that they come back so excited saying, it works, it works, it works, I tried it. <laughs> it's like the disciples that came back to Jesus and said, the demons, they go in our name. We have authority over them because up to that point, no one had authority over the demons that were in the culture and the false gods. Right. So exactly. really, are you telling us that binding and loosing that principle presupposes that there are demons and there are angels. Exactly. It was common knowledge. So it doesn't directly state in so many areas because they automatically understood that that was so. They already knew the demons. It's only in America that we don't believe in demons. Monty, I want to ask this question because this often comes up. What's the difference between binding a demon and casting it out? Two different, two separate issues. And let me, uh, again, I love to use pictures because it helps people to understand until they get some practical experience. The word bind comes from the Greek word deo, D-E-O, and it means to, to tie up or to like fasten with chains, to put under obligation, but it's similar to tying up. And a great way to explain this is that we know that demons or in the temple, the temple of the Holy Spirit, which is our body, and they are trespassers until they've been cast out. Now, binding, what binding does is it ties them up. If you had a thief break into your home, he doesn't belong there because it's your home, just like Jesus owns us. He paid a price for us. He, We belong to him. He owns us. And when we come to a place where there's a, a demon inside, the first thing that you can do to begin your warfare against them is to tie them up until the police can come and, and pull him out. <laughs> so you may catch this evil spirit or this burglar that's running around your house. You catch him, throw him on the ground and tie him up, and put your handcuffs on him. And that's what you're doing when you bind them up. Now, they could be sitting there all tied up with their handcuffs and leg cuffs on with their mouth going full bore, so you, you might want to poke a sock in their mouth at the same time so you don't have to listen to them, until the police come, which I mean in the picture, angels, come to take him away to where Jesus would have him to go. So whenever you bind an evil spirit, it ties them up and it weakens them. <laughs> okay, so that's what it means when I read Psalms 149, 8. It, when it says to bind their kings with chains and their nobles with fetters of iron, is that talking about demons then? It can be, but uh, it's it's a different term than that's used in in the Greek because that's Hebrew. But it's it gives you a picture of spiritual warfare, the same thing, binding and loosing with chains and fetters of iron. Absolutely. And that's one of the Old Testament 
pictures of what's going on in the New Testament. So you're saying that when you bind a demon, you're basically tying him up so he's not as active and you can disable his mouth so he doesn't yak at you. How is that different than having a demon go? All right. Binding, uh, tying up a burglar in your house is not the same as casting him out or evicting him. Like you say, he could be sitting on the floor with handcuffs around his hands in the back and binding All it means is to tie him up. Short definition, when you bind an evil spirit, you just tie him up. So often new Christians in deliverance get confused because they wonder why they're not getting any better when all they did was bind it up. It is a prayer of command, and it's done by faith. You have to appropriate it. But binding is not deliverance. It doesn't remove them. It just simply ties them up. Now, to get rid of the demon, somebody has to give the command to leave in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ, get out of this person. And so it's two separate steps, and each one is necessary, but you can always cast out an evil spirit without binding them up. You can just tell them to go, but quite often that doesn't happen because they don't want to leave. So binding is very useful because it it shows them who's in charge, and it helps to weaken them. I guess one of the great things that we've learned through experience over the many years that every time we bind an evil spirit, it causes them to somehow grow weaker. So I encourage people when they discover that they have a personal demon inside to during the day start binding them up. And as often as the Holy Spirit reminds them, just tell them, I bind you demons in Jesus' name, like a spirit of fear. And every time you think of it, just say, I bind you fear in the name of the Lord Jesus Christ. Leave me be. Now, again, that doesn't expel them, which is to cast out, but it uh, it weakens them. Now, just like every good burglar that you may have tied up in your house, they're not going to just sit there. They're going to be testing the ropes to see if they can get free. So one thing that we've learned with binding is that it only lasts for a season because another demon can come help them get loose or they wiggle free. So binding is something that is for a season, and it's actually a good thing to repeatedly tell the demons, I bind you, because every time you do that, you weaken them and you ensure that they stay bound that way. And as you weaken evil spirits, it actually helps move toward the process of getting them expelled or cast out. I just want to interject here, Monty, that when we were at Hegwish with our pastor, Pastor Wynn, I remember him sharing that just uh, shortly before we got there, that they had discovered, so to speak, binding and loosing, where before they had just prayed for hours and hours and hours, like into the night, and everyone was just becoming so exhausted, which is not good because you're opening yourself up for problems then but mm-hmm. they were thrilled exactly. when the lord shared with them no you can bind up these demons put them in boxes have your heart's desire on them and then they could go home and sleep because most everybody had a job to go to the next day and then they could come back the next service or whenever and continue working on that demon so it really it really gave the workers the ability to attack the enemy and yet not exhaust themselves. I mean, it's like they didn't right. have to go till they actually had this demon out because some of them are very ferocious and it takes a very long stubborn. time. Very stubborn, yeah. They, they would be manifesting and hung on 
for a long time, and they couldn't get him to stop manifesting until they learned to, to say, I bind you in Jesus' name, and had angels come lock him up in boxes or something until next time in deliverance. And, and Monty and Sharon, I'm just going to throw this in there, and that is where it really helps to employ the angels to haul them off, calling on the hosts of heaven to interject as well and start hooking some of those demons. That's a really important part of this too, isn't it? Yes, you're absolutely right. And that's that's what we call a second part of it, which is loosing angels of God to come into the battle or to come help minister to the person or something. I thought it was interesting in Matthew 16, 19, when you look up the word whatsoever, you know, and whatsoever thou shalt bind on earth shall be bound in heaven, and whatsoever thou shalt loose on earth. Well, that whatsoever is HOS, H-A-Y, and H-O, meaning female, male, and neuter. And so we know that the angels have no sex. But mm-hmm. it, I thought that was interesting that the whatsoever is a who, it's a personality, it's an entity. And the issue that I really was interested in was the neuter part of it, because demons and angels are actually sexless. But isn't that interesting that it encompasses all of that? It almost sounds like you could say whosoever you bind on her. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, exactly. Yeah. Loosing is just one of the great things. Uh, the picture, you know, of the of the little forked demon on one shoulder and the angel with a halo on the other shoulder gives a good picture of binding and loosing. And instead of some people don't have any angels sitting on their shoulders, so they just listen to their demons all day long. And when you bind them up, when you bring captive every thought to the beatings of Christ, you begin to silence the demons from talking to you. But the second part of that equation is having the angel with the halo speak to you things of God or things you need to remember. And so, loosing is kind of like the second part of the uh, the flip side of the quarter where they can minister to you, which is what Scripture says they do, that angels or ministering spirits come to minister to the heirs of salvation. So, it's nice to have angels as well as the Holy Spirit come and tell you things bring things to your knowledge or understanding that maybe you didn't know. So a lot of people are missing so much because they, they're not loosing angels into the battle or angels to minister. One thing that I want to interject here is like it says in Scripture, God has not given us a spirit of fear, but a spirit of power, love, and sound mind. So I know when I was battling fears, I would say, I bind you spirits of fear in Jesus Christ's name, and I loose the angels of power, love, and sound mind to go in and do battle against that fear and to bring me peace. And I think it goes in with the Lord's Prayer where it says, give us this day our daily bread, and deliverance Mm -hmm. is the children's daily bread. And binding and loosing helps to facilitate us receiving deliverance, our daily bread. Yeah. One of the trends that we've seen with binding and loosing is everybody wants to do everything. It's all out there. It's not anything inside of them. And they've turned binding and loosing into a kind of a circus. Yeah. And I bind to the East, I bind to the West. And that is very ineffective. That's actually witchcraft, though. Absolutely. Yeah. And this is what's happened. But God gave us binding and loosing to help us be transformed 
into the character of Christ. It wasn't to control people. It wasn't to manipulate people. It wasn't to be self-serving. Well, I'm going to bind and loose this because that flips over into actually your binding and loosing have become witchcraft and cursing. So Mm. binding and loosing is something that God gave us to bind our demons and loose angels to help us be transformed into the image of Christ. And that church has really gotten off into a lot of psychic prayers using binding and loosing, but it the heart of that is they want to control people, they want to manipulate people, and that is not what God had in mind with this. You're right. You're very good. Yeah, you're right. Well, one of the things, too, that we found is, you know, it says seducing spirits will wax worse and worse as the time comes to an end. And these seducing spirits have really moved into the church. And deliverance is the only thing that exposes a seducing spirit. And that's why a lot of people don't really want deliverance in their churches is because these seducing spirits would be exposed The first lie they tell people is, one, there is no devil. Then the next thing they say is, well, Christians can't have a demon. And I know there's many scriptures that go into that Christians do have demons. But these seducing spirits are doing a wonderful job of really seducing the church of Christ. And what God intended to be a provision through whatever time we're living in, he has purposely sent in his ministers of evil, the devil has, to seduce people away from the truth so they will not know how to fight and have a victorious life. It says Christ came, Jesus Christ came to give us life and life abundant. And most Christians are going, well, where is it? I sure hope it would show up. So they get trapped into this word faith. Oh, I'll just speak and it's done, not realizing they've stepped over into the occult because they haven't seen the real power of God in the churches, which is God's power. It's not something created or conjured up through music or elaborate ceremonies in the church. It is so important that if you are really seeking to be an overcomer and live victorious for Christ, go back to these fundamental teachings of one, a Christian can have a demon, two, saved eternally, you can't lose your salvation. Christians can have demons, and we have power and authority over demons. That's kind of like a three-legged stool, and it'll st- you can sit on that. You take out any one of those, and the stool isn't going to hold you. But then God wants so much to help his people through these times. And what he provides for them is not what the church is often presenting to the churches. Right. You've brought up a point there I want to comment on where we're talking about speaking is done and, and some of the errors of that. And why I love the King James is because every single word is in it has a specific meaning. And quite often, as you study, look through the four Gospels, when you find Jesus doing deliverance, it will say something to the effect, and the Spirit came out within the hour. Now, that's a very specific Greek term, which meant it took the better part of an hour. So, from that, we see that when Jesus did deliverance, it was like 45 minutes for him in getting the Spirit out. Contrasted to when he did something like a healing, for instance, under healings, you would often find scriptures that said, and instantly he received his sight, meaning right now, the instant he 
put the mud on the guy's eyes, he instantly saw. So we see from that that deliverance is not going to be it's speaking us down and confess it and blab it and grab it and all that. It literally has to, you continue to give the command until the evil spirit finally obeys. Even in the book of Acts, when the disciples did it, it said and it would not come out except within the hour. And it's not that that it meant to be a literal time, what it meant to show that is it took a season of time to do deliverance. That's with our day and age of instant everything. Nobody wants to take the time to do deliverance. Pastors don't want to take the time. They just want to pronounce a blessing, pronounce of you're declared free. And the thing is, the demons just sit there and look at them and just sit there. And it's not until you force them out, until you see them actually literally expelled, that they've gone. So anyway, I wanted to interject that into it as well. Well, Monty and Sharon, you'll find this kind of comical. I was on a show and I just, I was just doing some teaching on binding and loosing the day before. And for some reason, I just said on this show, they asked me if I would like to pray. And I found myself saying, and Hillary Clinton, I bind you in the name of Jesus. And I suffer the witch not to live. And it was live show. So I couldn't even sort of back that up thinking. And then I thought, well, God, you know, you say in the word of which is not permitted to live. So I, you kind of learn as you go, but there's, you know, there's sometimes we, we got to be careful too. You kind of learn as you go, right? <laughs> well, you do. And, and some people really love to split hairs on that. But again, going back to Matthew 16, 19, you have the authority. It says, whatever you bind, and some people really want to split hairs, and they say, well, you can't do that. Jesus needs to do that. Yeah. And I read and I say, wait, it says, whatever I bind. So in Jesus' name, I bind this demon, or I suffer a witch not to live. And you know what? The Holy Spirit is the umpire who monitors the entire baseball game, watches. He's the one that steps up and says, Father, wait a minute, we can't do that. Uh, disallow that prayer or whatever. So you never have to worry about saying something wrong or doing something wrong. I'd rather bind something and, and have the Holy Spirit correct it than to not bind it. People get downright nitpicky on this stuff, don't they? They sure well, do. I think those with the least experience are the pickiest. Uh, I mean, we've been, since we were 21 years old, we've been down on the floor, rough and dirty, I mean, wrestling and rolling with these demons. I mean, talk about fighting with beasts at Ephesus. That's what that means. And I'm so grateful for that and that we had Pastor Wynn, who was, what did he always tell us, Monty? We always had corn bread and grits. He said, this is cornbread yeah. and grits. It's going to stick to your ribs. It's going gonna, it's <laughs> gonna to help your life become something. And Pastor Wynn didn't have those religious spirits. I mean, it was just common sense and it made sense. And we were raised with that instead of all this nitpicking. And the more nitpicky you are just tells me how little you really know. Yeah. And it's all in the name of Jesus Christ. Uh, Pastor right. Wynn sang that song to us many times. It's all in the name of Jesus. That's it. I mean, we've had two yeah. and three-year-olds walk up to a person and say, get out in Jesus' name, and the demon left. A lot of it is grandstanding. People are trying to make a name for themselves. Yes. Uh, Pastor Wynn always told us, he said, we're living in the best time now. And this was back in the late 80s. He says, everybody spits when you walk by. He said, the most most dangerous time is going to be when 
everybody thinks that they can do deliverance and they hang their shingle out to do it. And that's, he said, that will be the most devastating time for the real ministry of, of right. deliverance. Because it's malpractice. Oh, that's good. It's malpractice. That's what we say. <laughs> it's okay. different, like you said, when you have the experience. So when you're on the floor with a yeah. demon that's manifesting and you're wrestling and the, the thing's not wanting to come out, and when you say, I bind you in Jesus' name, and you watch the effect on the spirit that's manifesting another person, when you see him get bound, you know that it works. You don't have to go through all of the rigmarole of saying, dear Jesus, I come to you. Would you bind a spirit that's manifesting <laughs> You can say it in his name, and it's done. <laughs> Monty, I want to give an example. When we lived back in Montana, and Pastor Wynn had come out a, a couple times and did services, and he stayed with us at our house. So Monty and I were, you know, we believed it. We just, it was all systems go with us. I was, I don't know how pregnant I was, maybe eight months or something. This one young boy came over, wanted prayer. And so we started praying for him. Well, this violent demon started to manifest and it's just me and monty and it's like okay god where do we go from here and so we just as father in jesus christ's name we bind you demons and we loose the angels to come and hold this kid down and i'm telling you he did that kid went on the floor his arms went back up over his head and nobody was touching this guy then we continued to pray deliverance until the spirit came out so it's when you've had actual real experiences like that that all the cotton candy hokey pokey stuff just is seems real ridiculous and all it does right. is seem to confuse people instead mm -hmm. of just do it yeah, it really strengthens your faith when you actually see it in action. Uh, right. As we say, the man with the word and the experience is never at a disadvantage to one that just has the word and has no experience. And the, it wasn't self-serving. I mean, I was, I think, eight months pregnant with our first child. That's my God. He is a protector. You know, he didn't want to see me hurt, but he saw Monty and I's heart that we were the only ones willing to help and pray for this kid. Quite frankly, mm -hmm. and, and I really believe this is true, that, and Bill French said this so astutely on my show last week. He said, you know, if there's a problem in church and someone starts manifesting, if there's a witch in there, the first thing, if someone starts manifesting, what they do, you know, the SWAT team ushers come in, they tackle you to the ground, <laughs> and, they, and they haul you out of there. Like, what is with that? Why not just bind that devil and command him to get out? <laughs> right. Exactly. Instead, they put him out of the church and don't help him, and that's what they were supposed to be doing in the first place. <laughs> you know, Sheila, Sheila, we because we knew deliverance was the only answer for our marriage, and that's why we went to Chicago. You know, we said, you know what? If deliverance doesn't work, we're splitting the sheets, honey. But deliverance changed our lives. And because of what it has done for Monty and I, we want to share that with others. And Pastor Wynn always would, I mean, he would cry and say, somebody has to care. And I'm sorry, but there are very few people who care about other people. You just keep the money flowing in the church. You make sure I have a, a big attendance and a big church. And God forbid you ha would ha God would put you in a house church. Um, they would never do that. But our premise has always been what God has done for us. We want to do for others in Jesus Christ's name. And we care. 
And that's where the rubber meets the road is these people really don't care about other people. Building a big church is not in the Great Commission. Well, they didn't have stately buildings and get on TV and have big churches, big budgets and big bank accounts, but they turned the world upside down. And I think we ought mm-hmm. to take a, a lesson from those ones in the early church. Well, in the last five minutes of the show, Sharon and Monty, I really want to talk about, speaking of powerful and life-changing events, I want to talk about the upcoming conference. I want you to tell people why they need to get out to this Carl and I are going to be there. I said, if I have to limp through an airport on crutches, or I said, it'll be me, a, me, a roll of duct tape and a Greyhound bus, or I'm getting out there, though. <laughs> so yeah, talk to the people great. about that. Uh, definitely. Our next workshop is coming up Friday, April 21st through the 23rd. And workshops, every one of them is a little bit different, but for visitors, and we do these primarily f- for our own people. It's a good place for to introduce deliverance to uh, visitors and new people that maybe don't have anything in their area. But we have a, a group of people that are capable of bringing a good Holy Spirit message and with that, an area of needed deliverance. And so during the workshop, you'll have plenty of opportunities to come and get deliverance and also time for personal deliverance if you're certain area that you need help and is not preached doesn't mean you can't still can't get deliverance from that. So we do our best to help as many people as possible get a, a lot of deliverance. In a three-day time, uh, it's amazing because we've watched people come in and they're just horse-faced, I call it, long, withdrawn, depressed, discouraged, and angry, and they sit there with their arms across their chest, you know, for the first day. But by Sunday night, if they stay for the whole workshop, God has done such incredible work. They're they're trained, they're fed, they're encouraged, and they're just full of love and full of joy, and, and they're hugging each other. A three-day conference does so much to show you an in-depth picture of a, one, a deliverance church, how it functions, how it works. It's just totally different than some of the things that you see on radio or TV. Uh, it, you're you're going to see a church in operation because deliverance should be a function of the church with a pastor overseeing it and, and guiding protection. And it's a body ministry where the entire church gets involved. So everyone in my church prays deliverance, does deliverance, and gets deliverance. If you come and you're, you want deliverance, you'll get an opportunity to get some good prayer. Our website, wccd.com, on there we have a flyer, and on the flyer gives you directions, hotels, and airports, those kind of things. Uh, we're not a campground, so we don't take care of people while they're here. You'll have to provide for your own meals, your own transportation, and all that. But if you can get here and take care of those things, then we'll see that you get an opportunity to get prayer. And Sharon, do you have anything to add about the conference? Yeah, one th- uh, thing is, I think as a lot of people are finding out, the people that really truly believe in the Great Commission, you know, heal the sick and cast out devils, is pretty few and far between. And coming to a conference with like-minded believers is very edifying and building up. Yeah. 
it gets real hard being out there all by yourself. Most people are out there alone. Yeah. One, if you have two, you're mm -hmm. blessed. But people have been fighting a warfare. And when they come together, we can encourage each other, edify each other. And God does such a work of restoration and rejuvenation yeah. in our yeah. spirits where it's like, okay, I can go out and fight again. And that's why we have these workshops every four months, generally, and have been for the last 30 years, is that uh, the army that is scattered all over has a chance to come in and get healing. They get deliverance and right. rejuvenated again because the enemy, you know, the spirit of Antichrist comes to wear out the saints. And everybody that's a true fighter in this, you know the continual battle every day and the resistance you get every day, they try to wear you out. And this helps to recharge everybody's batteries again. Right. Let, let me also say that at, at our workshops, the same with church services, people get saved, healed, and delivered, as well as baptized in the Holy Spirit with the gifts of the Holy Spirit working. Uh, because there's somebody out there that's going to think, well, all you do is deliverance, you're so lopsided. And we say, no, we people get saved and healed all the time. However, because people know it's a deliverance workshop, more people come needing deliverance, and the majority of the time they're already saved, so I don't have to spend a whole lot of time preaching about salvation because they already are. But those things still go on just the same during the workshops. Right, and that's really important. And I'll tell you what, I've been invited to a lot of conferences this year, and I will tell you what, I am not going to waste my money or time and energy on things that I do not believe are equipping the saints with what we need for today. Deliverance, healing, equipping the saints, setting the captives free. That is so important. And I tell you, I am really looking forward to this because as Sharon so astutely said, this is a fantastic way for the saints to connect, get together. It's not just some conference to promote a bunch of people or promote a bunch of books. This is about you folks getting the help that you need, getting the deliverance, the healing, getting set free. And that is really important. So do give out the dates again at the conference. Okay, well, uh, the dates is Friday, Saturday, and Sunday, but we will be starting Friday morning, like 8.30 or 9 o'clock. So you'll want to be here before. So if you're flying in, if you're flying to Denver, that's 300 miles, roughly. If you're flying to Grand Junction, Grand Junction's a 70 miles. Montrose has an airport as well. And that's right here in town, like three miles from my house. So I try to encourage people, if you can get the time to come in early so that you're here and fed, have breakfast Friday morning and, and show up at 9 a.m. Friday morning. Uh, we used to start Thursday night, but sometimes four-day workshops is harder to get people in. So we encourage them to come in Thursday. And also, we will be going late Sunday. So you may want to consider looking at your flight times. Our last service could be late Sunday afternoon. Quite often, it's right at the end where God really does <laughs> a yeah. lot of breakthroughs. Yeah. So if you leave early, like Sunday morning at seven, uh, you're going to miss all of everything that goes on Sunday. So I, if you can possibly wait to travel Monday, that's even better that you'll get the whole workshop and and maybe even have some time to fellowship Sunday night. Who knows? If you have questions on that or anything, email us at church, C-H-U-R-C-H-W-C-C-D, 
which is our initials, West Coast Church of Deliverance, at AOL.com. Church, WCCD, at AOL.com. That's Church, WCCD, all one word, at AOL.com. And again, the website, WCCD.com. Sharon and Monty, final comments. Well, I just really would encourage people to come and to have time to just visit with the other folks that come. And as they get to know you, godly soul ties are formed, and that's so strengthening. And so when you're going through a hard time, you can call these people and they will pray with you. And you won't ha- you don't feel like you're out there alone. You've got people that know what you're going through and they will help you. So the relationships and the friends that you'll make at the conference, are it's priceless. It's really yeah. priceless. And that's how God wants it to be. He wanted us to have good people in the battle. Uh, let me also say that if you do come for the whole workshop, you will be tired at the end of the workshop. For one, we're, we want <laughs> you to get your money's worth. Okay, If you're going to take the time off, the expense of getting here and everything else, we want you to get your money's worth. So we pack the entire day. It's not like you're going to be a a five-minute poem sermon in the morning and then we'll see you late in the afternoon. No, it's all day long. We kind of expect you to come all day long. And I tell people, well, you can sleep when you get old. Just come (laughs) tired. At least you might get deliverance. But it will be exhausting, but you'll be refreshed at the end. And we put a full court press on the demons because that's when you get the most deliverance. You know, if you just have one message in the morning and maybe one in the afternoon and no prayer till the evening, that gives your demons time to relax too. And so we don't give them any time to relax. We keep them under pressure the whole time they're here. And that creates an atmosphere for much better deliverance than if you go to a conference. Remember, we're not conference speakers. We're pastors of a church approaching deliverance from a church perspective. We're not trying to build a name for ourselves. We're trying to help the body of Christ get free. Amen. Amen. And that's so important. And a full court press on the demons. Oh, I love that. Well, we're going to get out to the Mulkey family reunion. That's what I'm. <laughs> that's, that's great. Yeah. Well, I'm we can re- hardly wait for you to get here, Sheila. Oh, yeah. well, it's just such a blessing, such a pleasure. I'll tell you what, you don't get into this ministry to build a name for yourself, I'll tell you. No, that. no. <laughs> <laughs> that's for sure. Or to get rich, right, Sheila? Yeah, right. T- well, I'll tell you, no one would pick this willingly, this ministry, this calling. Tell you no, that. no. <laughs> <laughs> but that's for sure. Oh, but just such a blessing to be able to get out and just really minister to the people. That is so important. Thank you, Monty and Sharon, so much for taking the time and coming on the program. And I'm really looking forward to this event. And I'm really looking forward to having you both back on real soon. Thank you. God Mm -hmm. bless you. Sure. Amen. We'd be honored to. Thanks, Sheila. Thanks, Sheila. Thanks, Monty and Sharon. Folks, that was Monty and Sharon Mulkey, bookmark WCCD.com. And I want to see people out to this event. A lot of people ask me, where can I meet like-minded believers? I've broken away from my church. Well, make this a priority to get out to. That is, again, April 21st, 22nd, 23rd in Montrose, Colorado. The information is there on the bio for today. That's Friday, March 3rd. There's direct links. Just go to WCCD.com, click on the calendar, and you'll find all the information, including Monty's email if you have any questions. 
I want to see you out there. I cannot wait to see them, and I can't wait to see you. Monday's show is going to be a powerful one. The other general, Ivory Hopkins, joins us. It's going to be a fantastic show, and I hope you do have a very blessed weekend. Good night, and God bless you.